Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. And today, special day, I have with me a, uh, a woman I met in, uh, in my travels, in uh, producing films. Um, she's amazing. Got to talk to her. And uh, <laughs> it turns out that not only is she amazing for being a good human, but she's amazing in what she does. And maybe sometimes you meet people and they're amazing in what they do, but not also a good human. She's both Blair Kaplan Venables is the president of Blair Kaplan Communication and the founder of I Am Resilient Project. Uh, she is a badass social media marketing expert. And um, most of our conversation will be about resilience because her story is amazing. Blair, welcome to One Sharp Sword. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Dr. P. <laughs> It's so good. It is so good. It feels like forever since I've seen you. And um, and yet, you know, in in pre-show, we just sort of picked it up and uh, and kept it going. So I'm just I'm grateful for that. Um, you're, as I said in the intro, you're an amazing human. Oh. Um, talk a little bit about, you, you know, I, I like to I like to have people's stories as part of their success journey and your story is your success journey. So, um, and it wasn't always pretty. That's the whole thing. It wasn't even pretty at all, actually. So, (laughs) so yeah, could I just turn it to you and have you talk a little bit and then I'll, I'll interrupt you, you know, along the way when it's like, Oh my gosh, I want to underscore that. So. Okay, I'll take the wheel. Thank thank you for that. So a content warning. I talk about really heavy stuff, addiction, death, everything in between. Um, if this triggers you, if you feel like big emotions coming up, pause it, step away, do what you need to do. Take care of your mental health. And if you need support finding a mental health professional in your area, you can connect with me and I will help you. Awesome. So um I don't know who out there knows Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, but that's where I'm from. It's right in the middle of Canada, you know, minus 40 Celsius winters, plus 40 Celsius summers, everything in between. Don't know the Fahrenheit, bad at math, but um, I'm the daughter of a man who lived with addiction and a child of divorce. I was very close with my father. And what I didn't know is that he developed a severe addiction to cocaine. He was a diamond dealer and a gemologist. And his addiction got to the point where it was so bad that he sold the business and left my mom, left the family, blew up the family and had to basically go on his own journey. And um, as a little girl who was close with her father, I thought he stopped loving me. It wasn't explained to me what was going on. And I don't think we knew in the 90s what we know now. But my dad's addiction, just to paint the picture. So it went from smoking, uh, it went from snorting cocaine to injecting like a synthetic heroin, him running out of veins to inject, not being able to snort anymore to smoking crack for over 40 years. He was always functioning, always had a job like driving cab, like very like basic jobs to help feed his addiction and lived 
not on the streets, but like kind of like one step above. He always had a roof over his head. Um, and the community I grew up in, like that wasn't normal. I mean, like, I don't think it's normal at all, but it wasn't something that was around anyone we knew. So growing up, I had a lot of situations where my dad would be like, oh, I'm going to come to your birthday party. And I'd be waiting by the door at the roller rink and he wouldn't come and I would skate a lap around and he still wasn't there or you know, he wouldn't come and show up when he says he would. Blair, I'll pick you up for family time for dinner and I'm running late. I'll come in an hour. I'll come in an hour and then it doesn't happen. And like my heart just shattered. I developed severe abandonment issues, anxiety, depression, all sorts of trust issues. And so growing up, there was a lot of anger, a lot of hate. And simultaneously, while this is all happening, um, I found a love for travel, for oceans, for mountains. And I actually ended up going to school for something called public relations. Okay. And it's cool because my dad was an entrepreneur and I have a lot of entrepreneurs on both sides of my family. And it literally like pulses through my veins. And I didn't know where this path was going to lead me. And um, in my twenties, I finished university and I moved with the company across Canada. And while moving across Canada, um, like I went from Winnipeg to Edmonton to Vancouver, I was actually given the gift to go to something called the Landmark Forum. I did not care about personal development. I wanted a free trip. I was like, yeah, cool, a free vacation. <laughs> but actually at this place, I was given the tools I needed to forgive my dad. And so I did. I had the most beautiful conversation with him and decided to just accept him for who he was and take whatever relationship he can give me, whatever communication he can give me. And from that day on, he began his journey to harm reduction. I would never say sobriety because he never was fully sober, but he developed a relationship with me, a new one. Like it was, I never thought I'd have another chance. He was more involved in everyone's life. He started to come visit me across Canada. It was amazing. And then unfortunately at the end of 2018, we learned he was terminally ill. Hmm. Yeah. COPD. And then we eventually learned lung cancer. So he's been honest. He was a cigarette smoker since like age, I don't know, 12 or 13. I'm not sure. And obviously 40 years of smoking crack, like not good for you. <laughs> right. Not, You're a not, not really good for anybody. No, <laughs> no. no. Um, I was lost. I finally had my dad back in my life. I lost about 15 years of him. And now what? Like he's being taken away from me again. And I was having trouble processing. And so I started sharing our story to anyone who would listen, friends, family, whatnot. And our story was inspiring people to forgive someone in their life, to get therapy, to choose sobriety. And I said, dad, our story is helping people. What if we write a book and we gather stories of resilience from around the world and we bookend this book with your story at the beginning and mine at the end. So when you're no longer here, our story can still help people. And so I started at the time, it was called the I Am Resilient Project. But since then, we've renamed it the Global Resilience Project because I manifested too much resilience. And I'm about to tell you what happened. <laughs> ready? You ready, Dr. P? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, so it gets a little heavy. So I learned my dad's going to die at the end of 2018. We decided we're going to work on this project. We as in me, myself and I, because my dad can't do this. And then um, March 2019, we officially start the Global Resilience Project. And from that moment on till this very moment, I'm going to give you a high level of some terrible things that happened to me. My grandfather helped raise me. He passed away. That wasn't traumatic. It was just sad. 
on the way home from his funeral, my husband and I got in a car accident and I got a concussion. Brain injuries suck. A couple months later, my husband had a heart attack and quadruple bypass surgery. So my husband almost died. He was in his early 40s. Then a few months later, COVID. We all know about COVID. Don't need to go down that. We were already at home safe recovering. So like, we had practice. We were, we were ahead of the curve. And um, this whole time we struggled with fertility. I was told I probably couldn't get pregnant naturally. And I probably would need medical intervention. Um, Shane and I didn't know what we were going to do. And I was going to be sent for tests. So I thought, okay, I'll wait a bit, enjoy summer and go in the fall. So a year after Shane's heart attack, we actually got pregnant naturally without even really trying, which was magical. However, we miscarried. On the day of the miscarriage, we learned my father-in-law had cancer. My father-in-law was the dad I never had. He was the dad I always wanted. And we had a beautiful relationship. Three weeks after learning he had cancer, he died. Three That's months later... Fast. Oh, wait till you hear this. Three months later, my mom learned she had cancer, pancreatic cancer, not even official. She didn't even make it to a biopsy. My mom learned she had cancer, died three weeks later. That's fast. And then within the same year, my dad died as my mom. Like, so like a baby, father-in-law, mom and dad died in a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a choice. I could give up. I could face plant into a ditch, which I thought about, (laughs) but I kept going. I I kept going. I put one foot in front of the other and I did what I needed to do to survive. And the Global Resilience Project became more than a book. It came out in June 2022 and it was an international bestseller on Amazon. But we've also since then launched a podcast called Radical Resilience. And I became an international motivational speaker. And we're going to be featured on an Amazon Prime show. And we're going to be at the Emmys Gifting Lounge. And we've just developed this global movement And I've really learned to turn my pain into purpose. And that's my life's work. And I just want to say that I went a full year without someone dying. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal because you start to, I mean, there's got to be some psychology of what's wrong with me. Do I have this negative halo? Am I like the angel of death? Oh, my God. Okay. The fact that you just said that. Okay. Like in between like the death circus, (laughs) I think I was like after my mom died. We, my, my husband and I were camping and at this time my, the miscarriage happened and my mom died and Dave, my father-in-law died and we were camping and my friends came up and my friend's like, I don't know if I want to hang out with you because you're kind of like the angel of death. And I was like, what? Oh, I'm just an angel. See? Yes. Very good. Yeah. You are an angel. And I think that, you know, what you're doing and bringing your message is so important. Um, I mean, anybody else would would start to wonder i think and start to kind of withdraw um i'm imagining that you you touched and played with depression a little bit um, i have depression i live with anxiety and depression i am sober when i learned my dad was going to die i didn't find myself turning to alcohol but when it was around i would have it it would help me feel better until the next day when it made me feel bad And alcohol was a bridge to very bad decisions that was leading me down a similar path to my father. So I made the decision to December 31st, 2018, that New Year's would be my last time drinking. And I didn't know until when, but I couldn't navigate my dad's end of life feeling like that extra level of anxiety and depression. I had to cut out what didn't serve me. I woke up January 1st, 2019 to an apology letter from my dad. I haven't had a drink since. That's amazing. 
but I'm also like, I, I believe in therapy. Like I, I, I've seen grief counselors. I've done, you know, psychedelic healing with guides. I journal, I, ma- I, you know, I manifest, I meditate. I like, I'm on a healing journey. Like we're, we're the walking wounded and alcohol was numbing the ability to heal. And over the last four and a half years, it's like, I started from scratch. Like, who am I? Who actually am I? I had no idea. That's so great. Yeah. The the existential dilemma allows you to sort of start over, right? Who am I? And then the question is, well, who do I want to be? Yeah. Right. And it allows you to actually step into that next place. Who am I? And some people take that to a really dark place. Who am I? I'm a, I'm a tiny speck in the giant cosmos and I'm, I'm nobody, I'm nothing versus who am I? I'm somebody who can be a small light to light another light to light another light and mm-hmm. let those lights uh, really become a beacon for others. That's who I see you as. That's why I wanted you on, uh, on one sharp sword on my program. Um, Will you, Blair, will you talk a little bit about, um, or I should say about, uh, will, you t- <laughs> will you talk a little bit about the, uh, like the steps for resilience? If somebody's sort of feeling like, dang, I, I lost this, I lost this, I lost this, I lost this, you know, and it could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be car keys, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I lost something. Um, it was important to me. How, uh, what am I supposed to do with this hole that I'm feeling? Right. Can you talk right. about the steps? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about some definitions first. So resilience, what the heck is resilience? Hey Blair, what to, the heck is resilience? Yeah. What the heck? So I used to think of it as like a rubber band that when you put it like on two fingers and you like pull it far apart. And then you let go and it snaps back. Like I used to picture resilience like that, bouncing back. And then I had this epiphany doing a healing session. And I was like, what am I bouncing back to? I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. And like, once you go through a challenge, you're not the same person. You have new lessons learned. You're at this new level of life. So resilience is bouncing forward from a challenging experience. That's my definition. I mean, it's our definition. You can use it too, but it's bouncing forward. It's a, it's a great definition bouncing forward. You know, I talk about in, in my work, I talk about spirals. You might Mm -hmm. feel like you've come full circle. Um, but really in doing the work, you've come to a different place with a different perspective and you've Mm -hmm. leveled up. So you're talking about bouncing forward to a new place. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. So the second thing I want to talk about is a resilience muscle. Now, this isn't something you're going to see on like an anatomy chart in biology class. It's like this invisible muscle we all have that goes from the very top of our head to the tips of our toes. It runs through every fiber of our being. And like any muscle, like any muscle, there are things you can do to make it stronger. So why do you have a resilience muscle? Well, that's the thing that drives you forward to bounce forward. It's what you need to activate or use, engage while navigating a challenge. And there are things you can do when things aren't hard to strengthen that muscle. And these are things that you can also do when it's hard. But, you know, if I go to the gym and I'm doing like a lot of arm exercises to get stronger, and then you ask me to help you move a couch, I'm ready. I'm ready to move that couch. So I, there's a lot of science 
backed ways to be resilient. I have five I like to focus on and they're really easy to implement. Like there's really no excuse to implement any, to not implement them. So why don't I share with you the five secrets to strengthening your resilience muscle? And these are the things that I recommend implementing if shit gets hard. Could you share with us the five steps to (laughs) the five secrets? Yes. Okay. Five secrets. Awesome. Number one, practice gratitude. And yes, this sounds cheesy. And just to clarify, I'm a woo-woo Jew, like I'm woo-ish and Jewish, but this is backed by science. I watched a video in 2016, well before my life completely exploded, imploded, got shitty, whatever. And this video was Sean Acor. And what he talks about in this video is that if you practice gratitude every single day at the exact same time, and you list three things you're grateful for from the past 24 hours, and you do this for at least 21 days, your neural pathways in your brain get rewired so that you see the world in a more positive way. I saw this. I was like, that's too easy. I pulled out my phone. I decided to call, like, to set my phone alarm to go off every single day at 9 p.m. I labeled it the gratitude alarm, and it's been going off ever since. So practicing gratitude, that's helped. The day my mom, the day my mom went to sleep for her final time, me, my mom, and sister practiced gratitude. The day my dad died, me, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, and my grandma practiced gratitude. We were grateful we were all together. We're grateful my uncle made it from BC in time, and we were grateful my dad was no longer suffering. There's always something to be grateful for. Um, if I'm in a bad mood and my alarm goes off, my husband from across the house might be like, I'm grateful for hockey, cats, and boobies. Like, you know, there's always something to be grateful for. In days where I just am miserable because I'm a human, sometimes I'm grateful the day is over for my bed and Advil. Like, <laughs> You never know. So I invite you to open up your phone, pick a time, call it the gratitude alarm. It could be first thing. It can be at dinner. I've been at parties. We all stop and do it. I like 9 p.m. because I go to bed early. And for me, it's a beautiful way to end my day. And if I'm having a bad day, it's just something that I can, you know, wrap my head. Like it just ends my day on a more positive note. Can can I share with you something? It's my show. I'm going to share stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. I, I mean, For me, there was a period of time in my life that was not exceptionally happy. And I would open my eyes and start my day. And the first two words out of my mouth were, oh, shit. Like, here we go. It's another day. And uh, this isn't the story I'm going to tell today. I just will shorten it and say a lot of things happened to shift my life so that now instead of those being the first two words out of my mouth when i wake up when i sit up and i am greeting the day the first two words out of my mouth are thank you and so starting my day with gratitude has changed everything because um i've talked about i am annoyingly perky in the morning and it is it is that it's like oh my god what a what a great day like there's so much to do there are people to serve there are people to lift there's creativity to put on paper or out mm-hmm. in the world in a different way and it just uh gratitude is it doesn't sound woo woo i don't think my audience will think it sounds woo woo um and if they do then again i mean welcome to the woo if you do Right. Whether you're practicing gratitude or not, I invite you along with Blair, who's encouraging you, um, start, start living into it. Find three things in the past 24 hours. I love that as a challenge. 
three yeah. things in the past 24 hours, do that every day and, and watch how your life changes. And if you have kids, like it's a really cool thing too. Like I've seen my friends, I don't have kids. We're not having kids. I have cats and a husband and plants. That's, that's all. But um, I've seen my friends like with their kids do it at dinner yeah. and like they go around and talk about like their day. And it's a really cool practice to, you know, do with your kids. Cause then they grow up doing that and they're already programming them as their brain develops to see the world more positively. And it's, it's, it's cool mm-hmm. to see kids doing that. Name three things you're grateful for today. What happened today? So instead of, did you have a good day at school, which is a, huh, right? Yes or no. It's like, Hey, what three things are you grateful for today? I love that. It's great practice. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's number one of five. Okay. So number two, how do you fuel your body and your mind? Fueling your body and your mind is important. What are you doing that you need to remove from your life? And what aren't you doing that you need to add? So obviously eating healthy, like protein and, you know, vegetables. And are you drinking water? Are you drinking too much wine? Are you eating too much pizza and nachos? You know, I know that when I'm eating healthy, I feel better. I know when I'm depressed, like my mom died and I ate a cookie dough blizzard almost every day for a year. And I ate a lot of bagels and I turned into a bagel and I felt shitty. And like, cause I felt shitty. I ate bad and it was a cycle. I'm human. But when I eat healthy, I feel better. I could function better when, um, you know, I chose to remove alcohol from my life. Best decision. So, I think like setting yourself up now for when things get hard is important because changing your eating habits, I'm not a dietitian or an eating coach, but changing your habits takes time. I've had, I've worked with obesity doctors and nutrition coaches. Like I've had to have help because I don't drink. So now I turn to food <laughs> and then also, so what are you eating? What aren't you eating? Drink water. That's the easiest thing to do. If you have access to clean drinking water, there's no excuse for you not to drink water. Think about it. You have a plant, your plant's not watered. It dies. You are a plant. Why are you watering your plant and not yourself? Right. And then what you consume is really important. Cheers. I love, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> what I, I can't talk and sip, but so just pretend. Um, I love shows like Grey's Anatomy and like the firefighting shows and the Real Housewives. But when I was going through the dark night of the soul and I felt really lost after my mom died, I actually had to cut out a lot of those shows that had death and drama because what you consume matters is an energy exchange. Like there's energy putting out and you're like, you're kind of absorbing it. So same thing goes for music. I love all music. I love hip hop. I like Britney Spears. I like metal. I actually had to stop listening to some of the heavier music because it was too much for me. Like it would just make my, my head, my head pound and it wasn't filling me with joy. And also what I read, I, I, once my mom died, I stopped watching the news. It was COVID. I just like, I was like, COVID is nothing compared to my mom suddenly dying. Like she learned she had cancer when she learned she was terminal. They're like, you have two weeks left to live. And she died three days later. Like it was really crazy. And I was like, I can't deal with the world right now. I need to focus on myself and it's okay if you need to turn off the news. It's okay. If you need to stop reading about drama, it's okay. If you just want to consume like books on grief and healing, but what you consume matters. 
And also cut out what you need to cut out. I also cut out the Real Housewives while I was healing um, because I just like got sucked into their drama and it was an escape. And I, what I really needed to do was heal. So for a really long time, I didn't really watch any TV. I would just like read and listen to music and like try and be outside. So how you feel your body is important. Beautiful. It's true. It is true. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Okay, number three, forest bathing. Say it again. Forest bathing. Forest bathing. So what forest bathing is? It's a term run, that came forest out. run. No. Yeah. Forest bathing. Yeah. Don't you're not bathing with Tom Hanks. <laughs> what you're doing is you're actually going out in nature. So in the 80s, this term came, I think, from Japan. But it's the concept of like going outside and being in the forest, being amongst the trees. Yesterday, for example. I had one of those days where I sat at my desk and all of a sudden it was dinner time. I've had like maybe a bowl of yogurt, hardly moved my body. I felt terrible. So I normally start my day off with going for a walk, getting outside, breathing in the nature. And I do that throughout the day. You need to have time in your schedule to get outside. And if you're living in the concrete jungle, that's totally cool. Like that's fine. Still get outside. What you, what you can do also is fill your office with plants. I see you have one. My whole office is like there's plants everywhere. I have faced my I have faced my desk to look out the window. I'm looking at hedges and mountains. I get outside every day, even if it's raining, even if it's snowing. If it's snowing, it's actually a lot harder when it's minus 40. But like, you know, spring, summer, fall, I come to life. I'm solar powered. Put my feet in the grass, bare feet in the grass. Put your bare feet in the grass, in the sand, in the water, whatever you need to do. Be outside. Being outside increases your immune system. Like it makes your immune system stronger and it's proven to reduce anxiety and reduce stress and stimulates ideas and creativity, especially if you're walking outside. So if you're like, well, Blair, like I, I actually just like wake up, get in my car, go to work, work all day, come home. Like go, that's not going outside. No, it's not. Take your lunch, go outside. Like maybe after dinner, you go for a walk with your family. Like just, you need to be outside. It's um, there are multiple reasons for that. Partly it's the negative ions that are generated by being around plants. Partly it's the you get to breathe differently and very much it's the difference in focal length. You're actually giving your eyes and therefore your brain and therefore your mind and body a different break. If you're stuck looking at a certain, uh, you know, a certain distance from you to your computer screen, um, that's bad for everything. And notice also, uh, I'm just, I'm doing the yes and for you. And it's, <laughs> it's like, notice also that if you're at your desk, you tend to slump. And when you're walking, 
you actually allow your breath your your breath to to fill your lungs your lungs are no longer compressed by sitting so yeah. um i'm a big fan of get outside and um i've not heard the term forest bathing that said i love that so awesome it's yours you can use it it came from the 80s <laughs> so did forest i i came from the 80s too the 80s had great things okay so number 4 number 4 yes sleep so simple it is so simple so simple when you have a lack of sleep you have anxiety when you have anxiety it's hard to sleep depression either you can't sleep or all you do is sleep maybe you oversleep i don't know but what are you doing that's taking away from your sleep i know i need seven and a half to eight hours worth of sleep i know what time i need to get up in the morning therefore i do the math and i figure out what time i need to go to bed I will leave parties. I will kick people out of my house. I will say no to plans. I will leave when I'm out somewhere because sleep is my priority. When I don't have sleep, I feel like shit. And now because I don't drink, I actually feel hungover if, I, if I'm tired. And like to the point where like if I'm tired, I will have a nap. I will cancel uh, meetings if I need to rest. Sleep is so important for your mental health and your physical health. Your body does a lot of healing when you sleep, but your mind needs it. And Do you know especially the biology behind that? No, I don't, but you can share that and I will learn. <laughs> Very good. So um, my dissertation was actually on sleep and exercise and self-concept and and more. Uh, the very nutshell version of it is this. When you are exerting yourself, either mentally or physically, uh, your your body and mind need repair. When you've exerted yourself physically, your body says, cool, I'm going to drop into delta sleep or deep sleep, stages three and four. That's where human growth hormone is, is produced. Your muscles repair. It's great. What happens is stages three and four, delta sleep is expanded and the time for REM sleep is shortened. And that also happens uh, during times of depression. REM sleep is shortened. It's during REM sleep that you get neuronal repair. Uh, your neurons really refresh. And it is during REM sleep um, that your memory is integrated and other such things. So here's the thing. If deep sleep, which expands during depression, it expands during uh, body repair, ends up taking more of your sleep time and REM sleep is shortened, you end up with brain fog which is mm -hmm. why you feel crappy. It's like, wow, I slept deep, but I, I'm not thinking straight mm -hmm. at all. And it's like, well, take a nap because you end up doing what's called case biking during the day, which is you're looking at something and all of a sudden you're in this mini dream. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, dang, like, what did I miss? I was dreaming <laughs> like for, for just seconds, mm -hmm. but it's called case bike. It, it shows up. So this is a long way to go to say, uh, to emphasize what you've just said, Blair, which is yeah. sleep is so important. It is so yeah. And like, so there's little things you can do because I guarantee most of you can relate to either when you go to bed, you scroll on your phone for a while, or when you get up, you scroll for a while. Can you cut out that scroll and sleep a bit more? Stop yes, the, the answer is yes. Stop your scroll. And like, you know, if you know you need to scroll before bed because that's your thing, then get into bed earlier. And listen, I know some of you out there have young kids and can't sleep. That's obviously like 
I don't know how to navigate that. I have never had kids. That sucks. I'm really sorry. But one day you will be able to sleep again. And so do what you can nap when the baby naps is what they say. But like, again, I'm not an expert in being a mother (laughs) and I know I have the gift and the privilege of sleeping without having to take care of a baby. So, um, sleep is really important. Protect your sleep. Yes, exactly. Okay. And number five, number five is wait, 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 wait. Number one, practice gratitude. Number two, fuel your body and, and your mind. And be careful with what you're fueling it with. Uh, number three, forest bathing. Get the heck outside. Number four, sleep. Protect your sleep. Get it done. And now, number five. Drum roll. Share your story. Nice. It's okay to not be okay. You don't need to slap on a smile and pretend you're fine when you're not. Sharing your story can look like a whole bunch of different things, but the first thing to do is admit that there's something going on. You know when something's going on and you can't pretend it's not going on. Like that's not good. It's going to manifest in a bad way. It'll show up as an illness or weird hives. Like I've, I've been there. So what does this mean? Well, maybe you've never seen a counselor or a therapist and you feel ready to process those uh, feelings and start to heal with the help of an, a professional. But if you're not ready for that, that's okay. Maybe you stand in front of a mirror and just say it out loud to yourself. Just like actually talk to yourself and get that story out. Maybe you pull out a pen and paper and you journal. No one ever has to see this. This isn't a public forum. Like you do it for yourself. You write out your feelings. How are you feeling? Where do you feel in your body? What's going on? Why? It's so important. important. Just like use a journal. Yeah. Dump your dump your feelings into a place and and hold on to it and review it. The more you can actually distance yourself, I think, from your from your story, like it becomes less there's less drama. It's just a story. Right. Well, my husband's like, I don't like, you know, we I have a therapist and it's like Blair talks about her story all day, every day. I'm like, because it's my story, it already happened. You don't have to relive it and relive it and relive it. It's part of what made you you without having to be anchored to it and stuck in that past. That story becomes a springboard to move forward, bounce forward, resilient. And so like, so you can also talk to a a trusted family member or a friend, or you can share it on a blog or a website, or even in something like the Global Resilience Project book. And sometimes your story, when read by the right person, will actually help someone navigate a similar challenge because you share what happened and how you got through it. So there's science behind that. It's scientifically proven that when you share your story, it helps you heal. And that reading other people's stories while you're having a challenge helps you, helps that person heal. So tip number five is share your story. Yes. I'm having a uh, little internet issues. So it, it paused a little bit. That said, um, it's there's a storm here, believe it or not. Um, that said, the whole idea of sharing your story is it's it helps you heal it helps others who hear it heal um it it's been said that we are here to be the witness for others in our lives and in their lives and 
I think that's something that as humans, we do quite powerfully and we don't always recognize that we do it. And, and it's really important to share your story without having it have to be a dramatic thing, even if it's a traumatic thing. Um, and to be able to say, and this is, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm doing. Um, there's a reality to being human. And I, I, I'm just, I'm so appreciative of this. This is, uh, the, there are five great, solid, <clears throat> not so secret secrets. You know, you put them together as a, as a uh, beautiful recipe. And it makes for a great life. It doesn't, you don't even have to be bouncing forward from something horrible to be using these secrets to, to make for an amazing next chapter for yourself. And like, you don't want to wait till life gets hard to do the things. Start doing them now so they become habits and rituals. So when life gets hard, your resilience muscle is stronger, but also you have some routines and rituals that you can still practice that will help you navigate your challenge probably a lot faster. Exactly. Yeah, get it, get through it. Get through it um, because you've got the skills. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So yeah. um, this is amazing. I feel like there's, uh, I feel like we've covered so much. What, uh, is there anything we left out? Is there anything that, that you were hoping to share that you haven't? I mean. Well, I mean, like, that's my whole story. I'm very like visible on social media. Like I, you know, this month, like when we're recording this, I'm not sure when it's airing, but May is mental health awareness month. <laughs> Um, there's bereavement, bereaved mother's day, um, which is the first Sunday in May. And that's like for mothers who've you know lost children, you know, I think just, I want to be that, that lighthouse in the storm, the community we've built, the global resilience project is a safe space to share stories of resilience, to read stories, hear stories of resilience. It's a container for big feelings. And I want to normalize these conversations because guess what? Grief, for example, it's going to happen to you and it's going to suck. It's going to suck. Someone you love is going to die. It's just, that's how it's going to be. And if not, then I don't know, maybe you're a superhuman or you don't know anyone. <laughs> maybe you're alone. No, but, people, uh, people and animals and, you know, uh, there are people in your life mm. that, will, that will pass. And, you know, funny enough, you may as at some point as well. And, oh, yeah. uh, and so preparing the people around you for that is important. Well, yeah. Right? And preparing yourself like life isn't going to be easy. So there are things you can do now. So you're not so blindsided when life hits you <laughs> from behind or whatever the saying is. But yeah, I mean, and also our websites, theglobalresilienceproject.com. If you want to share your story with us in our next book, we would love to have you. There's only 125 spots. Um, the book will be out late 2023. You know, our story is going to be shared on Amazon Prime, which is amazing. We have a global reach there. And we're going to be giving out books at one of the Emmys gifting lounges to celebrities and to media. My goal is to empower 88 million people by August 2025. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit it two years early, which is great because I love to be early. So, you know, just let's move the needle and help the world be more resilient. And let me be that light at the end of the tunnel for you. That's that's great. The light at the end of the tunnel or the light in the darkness? Because the light at the end of the tunnel is usually that light you see. Really? I don't know. I always just say light in the tunnel because I picture driving under a mountain tunnel. Yeah. The uh, When people talk about it, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's usually the light they see as they're dying. 
That's oh. how well, also, I would love to be the light you see when you're done. <laughs> there you go. Um, but be that beacon in the darkness. That's also good. But, uh, yeah, me, be the lighthouse double, in the storm. The, let me ask you something. It's the global resilience project.com, right? So it's a the, right? It's so, a the. Good. The global resilience project.com. And um, yeah, Blair's holding up her book. Um, Awesome. You can buy the book on Amazon. You can visit us. You can read stories, follow us on social, watch from the sidelines, be involved. Awesome. And do you want to do you want to also just talk uh, for a moment about the PR stuff, the social media amazingness stuff you do <laughs> in, when you're not doing resilience? Oh my God. I feel like that's a whole nother episode, but yeah. It totally I, is. I think... Just give, give, give a minute or two to yeah. it. Yeah. So at the age of 23, at the beginning of the recession in 2008, I left my job and I started a PR company. And at that time, social media marketing wasn't a profession. And when I was out networking, trying to make money, because that's what you got to do, everyone would say, do you know how to use this thing called social media for PR or for marketing? And I was just said, yes. And I figured it out and I took what I knew from PR and applied it to the digital space. And so that was 15 years ago. And so I'm the creator of something called the social media empowerment pillars. They are the seven pillars that you need to build out in a strategy if you want to be seen as a thought leader. And this is my own system that I've created. They're the seven elements you need in a strategy. You know, I do group coaching, private coaching. I even build out strategies for clients. So um, my gift is that I'm extremely creative. I'm an out-of-box thinker. I don't make the rules. I just break the rules. And my biggest thing for social media is F the algo. I don't create content for an algorithm. I create content the way I want to create it. And that's what I work on with my clients. I (laughs) I love the mantra. F the algo. That's awesome. Um, that's good. So at this point, then, how do people find you? One is the global resilience project.com. And what if uh what if you've just sort of shined this beam of light and <laughs> go, I want you as my social media maven? Um, oh. well, I could tell you how to find me. It's very easy. You go to your internet. What? You type in <laughs> internet? Yes. And you, you go uh, uh my my website is blairkaplan.ca. Shout out to Canada. And it was just cheaper at the time. I was 23. I couldn't afford anything else. And um, so blairkaplan.ca. I'm available on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I'm very active on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, I am Blair from Blairland. So Blair from Blairland is my username. But yeah, it's going to be easy to get a hold of them, easy to find. If you Google my name, I come up. <laughs> I'm the only Blair Kaplan Venables, so. Very good. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to put all of these. I'm furiously writing as I'm talking. Uh, I am going to put all of these on our show notes so that people can find you. This was fast and furious without it being too furious. It was just, it was uh, a lot of information in a very short amount of time. And I am so grateful for you being here and sharing your story again and um, and making it accessible to everyone who, you know, needs, like we all at some point are going to need to be resilient and, and bounce forward. So um, thank you. Really, I'm I'm very grateful. Thank you. 
You're welcome. And thank you so much for giving me a safe space to share my story. It is awesome. All right. Well, who did I have? Blair Kaplan Venables. That's who I had. Uh, and she's talked about the uh, the globalresilienceproject.com. That's where you find Blair. Also on Instagram at Blair from Blairland.com. And if you need help spelling Blair, it's B-L-A-I-R. So um, you can find her. And uh, amazing. Again, thanks for being here. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. I loved it. Awesome. Yay. Awesome indeed. This is a one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. My my guest today, Blair Kaplan Venables. I'm Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach, and we'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell the Breakthrough Success Coach and your Powerful Presence Mentor.